Welcome to Siblinghood of Recovery. Hello, beautiful recovery people. How are you? Well, I took a week off, had some family time, and I am back and I'm ready to talk about helping. Is it helping or is it enabling? The only person that really knows is you. Yep, that's right. So uh, I also, I spoke to a dear, dear, dear friend of mine up in, uh, she's up in Minnesota, and she and I met at a Brad Reedy Evoke Therapy Intensives. We met at the one that is entitled Finding You. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's an easy thing. No, not really. Um, it's. I personally felt that it was life-changing. I personally felt that it kind of opened up the ability for me to recognize, oh gosh, so many things, habits or survival techniques. So much of that is ties into previous episodes, but as we experience trauma in childhood, we develop techniques to deal with it and survive through it and after it. Some of those techniques might not be very healthy. And we did a childhood map. It was fantastic. And I think anytime you go through a session like that with another person, there's a bonding there. Uh, I think it's a healing bonding as opposed to trauma bonding. Trauma bonding is really interesting too. Not going to go into that here. So this was definitely on the healing spectrum. And uh, I asked her to listen to the podcast and she gave me some great advice which is, it was sought after. It wasn't like, hey, can I give this to you? I'm like, hey, what do you think? Because those of us in this step program, <laughs> anytime we hear the word advice, it kind of freaks us out because uh, so much of that has been given to us throughout our childhood experiences. And, you know, sometimes advice can be thrown at you, not with the intention to help, but the intention to criticize. So this was definitely you know, hey, what do you think? What do you think I should do? And what I will do in the future, because I've kind of missed the opportunity on this episode, is reemphasize the value of finding your 12-step people. Looking into finding a program, and there's so many out there, Al-Anon, Families Anonymous, Naranon, whichever one it may be, whichever one that fits you and your situation better, definitely seek one out. I have literally, and I say this with complete measurement, been saved from going down a rabbit hole of just unworthy, unnecessary, unhealthy thinking, because I'm sitting in a room, sitting on a Zoom with some people who have been where I've been or are where I am right now, And they're using this step program to lift themselves up by the bootstraps and say, hey, let's look at this. What does this mean? And let's heal this. So definitely, definitely find a 12-step program. And also please find a licensed therapist to help you through this journey of healing yourself, as well as healing whatever events might have brought you as a parent and your child to the throes of dealing with addiction. So that's the public message of the day. And thank you, my dear friend up in Minnesota. One day I hope to interview you as a parent, and then I can say your name. All right. 
So let's talk about helping. You know, <laughs> I I have this, I think it's from growing up in the 70s. I have this like natural go-to Saturday Night Live skit in my brain whenever I, I approach situations that are hard to handle or a little bit un- uncomfortable. I'm like, oh, this would be great SNL skit. When I hear helping, I think of the old sitcoms of the next door neighbor coming over with an apple pie that they baked while they were listening to you guys argue and knocking on your door and say, oh, I just baked this for you. Can I help with anything? <laughs> and then immediately flipping the the mirror, looking at myself when I'm trying to help my kids. Am I really trying to help my kids or what am I doing? So I started digging into, and you know, I love neuroscience. Don't pretend to be an expert. I just love to listen to it. So I started digging into the psychology of helping. There's an article, I definitely put the link in the show notes. The author is talking about empathy and she goes into dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin, calling this the happiness trifecta. The author's name is Eva Ritvo. And this was published in 2014. It's called The Neuroscience of Giving. She highlights that empathy gives us a kind of mental process and it gives us a mental exercise that we are putting ourselves in another person's shoes and we're trying to give them what they need. She goes into how this is almost like mirroring another's neurons and calls it a very highly social activity. But it also limits the stress hormone of cortisol. So what's interesting about this is you get into the the fact that helping others is is kind of giving you that ability to say, well, you know, I can decrease my stress by helping others and and is that is that our own fix? You know, is us fixing somebody else a fix? So I wanted to dig into this a little bit deeper and then I I went to the harder research studies. I go to cell press sometimes and and read the summaries. But fortunately, with each year that passes, I believe so many people are pushing summaries out to the average audience. And I'm I'm calling myself average here where we can we can start digesting that information and understanding really what that research entailed at a high level and get the value of it, which I'm so appreciative of. And I do see that as a scientific trend with these podcasts that are coming out like Lifespan. Lifespan, and I'll put a link in my show notes, is a podcast with Dr. David Sinclair. And David Sinclair is a PhD, a professor of genetics, and he is a co-director of Harvard Medical School Center for Biology of Aging Research. So going into the neuroscience article, and this was originally published in Cell Press, and the original research, which has a full open access is entitled Empathic Care and Distress, Predictive Brain Markers, and Dissociable Brain Systems. What I find personally that's very interesting about this article is that the motivation of empathy is there, right? When others suffer, quote unquote, we humans empathize. This study goes into how it's almost motivated by social norms, if you will. Empathy can also be a little bit dangerous because it creates a sense of right and wrong. And whatever side you're on, you're going to fight for. That's way too much 
to go into within this podcast. The interesting finding here is that empathy is triggering feelings inside our, our own body, our own heart, regulation, mind, emotional stability, our triggers, the trifecta of happiness. If we go back to those chemical aspects of dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin. So I started thinking about when you are in the presence of a quote unquote fixer, a person who is concentrating on how they can help others. There is a sense of, well, I got to do this, you know, I'm needed. And when I had to dig into my own motivation to helping my son, who is in recovery as well, is it really me helping him or is it control? And I have to explore this. I have to go, this is my own journey. I understand that. I do have to go into the aspects of what am I thinking when I reach out to my son and and say, hey, do you need this? The one benefit of the 12-step program is there is a consistent drumbeat of accepting things as they are, not trying to control situations or people. And within that detachment, and it's a loving detachment that is definitely purported to be the most emotionally healthy approach to supporting anybody that you know in recovery. When the 12 steps dig into that, our task is to self-examine what our motivators are in helping others. So I'm going to take this right from Families Anonymous. I'll put the link in the show notes, and this is entitled Helping. My role as a helper is not to do things for the people I am trying to help, but to be things. Not to try to control and change their actions, but through understanding and awareness to change my reactions. If you listen to the words, again, and this is through any 12-step program, it is reflective on how we manage our own selves, how we manage our own approach to our loved ones and the situation that, that we are finding ourselves in within the recovery process. You know, I always try to be vulnerable on this podcast because otherwise, you know, it's just a bunch of words. As we look at our own motivations to help, as we look at our own desires to fix, is it ego-based? That was my big question. Am I approaching a situation where I believe that I can help others? Am I approaching a situation where I believe I can be the one that changes things for the better? Sometimes, yeah, I have to do that and I have to stand up and I have to voice what I am experiencing, even though it might be very uncomfortable and let people know I don't feel good about this situation. That's completely different from, hey, I think I can help you get to a better place quicker and faster. And last I checked, humans aren't like a capitalistic process. Individually, we're not organizations, we're not companies, we're not, you know, standing in front of each other to make money, unless that's the contractual agreement, and I'm getting linear there. We are in front of each other, hopefully to build a connection, hopefully to build a relationship. And ever since I entered recovery, I want my role to be less intrusive of the other person's life. I want to share the life, but I don't want to intrude. 
upon that other person's life. And it truly is a fine balance. Like, when do you say, you know, I can help you, but up to this point, you have to learn that. You have to really learn how to support that person without trying to fix them. So getting to into this even deeper is the helping that I want to give to my sons, my children. What is my motivation in helping my sons? It's something that I'm answering right now for myself. I'm doing a lot of self-reflection, journaling, step work. It is a question though that we also have to ask ourselves is that when our children are facing that journey of recovery, where do we step in and where do we step way out of their circle? Where and at what point do we say, this is on you, you can do it, I love you. And that's it. So going back into the research, and again, I'll post the articles of empathy having a a downside, that being it's something that we do or we can be motivated, not everybody, but we can be motivated because of social norms. It really does drive me to ask, when I quote unquote, want to help somebody, who am I doing it for? Am I doing it to make myself feel better? When I am trying to help my sons, when I'm trying to help my son in recovery, am I helping him? Really? Is there some kind of need that I have to be a good parent to make him feel better? Maybe me stepping back and asking him how he feels is a better approach. Now, sarcasm does run in the family. <laughs> I got to tell you. So it's, a, it's, you never know what you're going to get when you ask a Reno, Hey, what do you think about this? You can get a really sincere, thoughtful answer or a very off the cuff remark of, yeah, I, I, I don't really want to talk to you about it. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a gamble, but I wouldn't change it for anything. It is, it is a question though that I've really, uh, I've thought about a lot this week. And one thing that I have learned in the last couple of years through other parents as well in the recovery process is there is an opportunity when we let go and not try to fix, not try to help and just be, just be in that moment. We are often given an incredible gift of simply watching those around us whether they're in the recovery process or not, but especially those that we love to do their best. And it doesn't involve anything that we have done, anything that we have suggested, anything that we have said, just letting that person be who they are. It can be one of the most beautiful things that you witness. So there's a lot to unpack there. In the last couple of minutes that I've been talking about helping, I get it. I so get it. But if there's one thing that I can implore you to do is to find out why you have the need to help and to look at that need, understand it, right? But also get comfortable with letting people figure out what they need to do for themselves. It's probably a different dynamic for some. And it's definitely going to change your relationship with a few. But the coolest thing about it is it probably will change your relationship with yourself. So I wish you guys a wonderful week. For more resources, hit my website, www.siblinghoodofrecovery.com. And most of all, be good to yourself. 
All right. This is Angie Reno. I'll talk to you later. 